Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. I'm continuing to make all pod- podcast episodes um, with no paywall. Um, so I hope that uh, the people that I have on, um, they reach as many people as possible. They're all interesting, fascinating people. And so uh, your help in spreading the word, sharing links. If you like what you hear, um, share it on social media. Um, that's all helpful in um, spreading the word about the Third Way. Uh, so today I'm joined by Lena Foster. Lena is a licensed massage therapist, body worker, uh, coach, uh, a wanderer, and also um, my former wife and one of my very, very best friends. Um, Lena and I got married. I was 18. She was 19. We had Logan and Caden. Uh, and then about five or six years ago, um, as part of an awakening, um, Lena came out as gay. And then, so our relationship has transitioned over the last, since that time to where it's at today, which is just really, truly dear soul friends. And um, so welcome. Hello, my old friend. (laughs) (laughs) Careful with the word old. Uh, I know. uh, So yeah, we've known each other longer than any people we're not related to almost. I mean, there's a few people we've known longer, but not much. Um, and, you know, I think that you have a very, you're, you're one of the most interesting people I know, and there's a lot of things we could talk about, but I think the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is um, you embody the idea of following your heart more than really anybody I know. And so that's our topic today is around following your heart or listening to your heart. Um, is there anything that I didn't mention in your bio or the intro that you want to share? No, I think that was, I think that was great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And this is one of my favorite topics. So I'm excited. All right, cool. So the first question, um, and you know, the format, we both answer these, but the first question is, were you taught to follow your, follow your heart? Were you taught that by someone else? And then kind of related to that, when was the first time you felt the call of the heart? Yes. Oh, so No, I was not taught to follow my heart, but it was very instinctual for me as a child. I I was very, I was very young um, when I started hearing, hearing that voice to my heart, that inner feeling, that inner voice. And, but as a family that we did not, that was not the language that we spoke. And, but as a young child, I think that that I, maybe this is for everybody. I think I, I want to believe that, that as a young child, as young children, before we are taught to follow, <laughs> to follow the lead of others, to follow the systems, um, that we already have that in us. And we are already at very young ages following the call of the heart. Um, so the first time that I felt that or heard that, that, oh, it, that voice. And, and honestly, as a young child, as a young girl, I, I heard the, I, I, I want, I, I heard the voice of God and it was, it felt very audible. And, and, um, so I was probably about eight or nine and we, um, we were having, we, we had some very difficult times in our childhood, quite dysfunctional. And, um, but my sister and I were watching cartoons one Saturday morning and all of a sudden I heard Lena 
and I'm always called by name. <laughs> it's Lina, go pray. And, you know, I, I'm wondering how I even knew how to pray, but I immediately, when I heard that I ran into the room, I'm like, okay, sister, I'll be right back. And I ran into the room, knelt by my, our bunk beds and said a prayer. I have no idea what the prayer was. And I ran back out, continued watching cartoons. And I heard that same message to my heart two more times. And I'd like, okay, sister, I'll be right back. And then I'd, I'd go. And so that was the first time that I felt that, that, that real true um, call to the heart. Interesting. I didn't until maybe 40, 45 years old. Um, I was very disconnected from my heart. Um, you know, it's not that I didn't love, it's just, it was from a very constricted space. And I think the first time I actually listened to my heart was when I walked out of church the last time in January of 2016, that was definitely a heart conviction thing. And like you, it wasn't, it wasn't taught. It was actually discouraged. It was part of the, the, both the combination of fundamentalists, um, fundamentalism, which, you know, teaches that the heart is a wicked thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And also, but though, even in the ranch culture, you know, you don't listening to your heart was considered unmasculine or not tough. So mm -hmm. you was very like suppress your emotions. Um, mm -hmm. um, and some, you know, sexism in that as well as that feeling and sharing emotions was considered to be unmanly. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And that was the model. I, I mean, that was the, 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 the only model I had really for most of my growing up years as a masculine figure was my grandfather. And as you know, he was not, a heart, he was, he, he was much more heart centered when he was older in his final probably decade, but he was a tough, gruff old man. You know, mm -hmm. you know, he could be, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't leading from the heart per se. <laughs> no. um, so I think that you brought up something else that's fascinating to me too, is that it's children you experienced that as a child and children seem to be able to follow their heart better than adults. And if you look at the whole Jill Bolt Taylor stuff around whole brain living, it's the right brain that you could say is the heart. It's the spiritual, emotional um, consciousness part of the brain, which children seem to have more. Uh, I think that's why Jesus said, be as little children. And then we have our left brain, uh, quadrant one is logic, quadrant two is irrationality. And those are programmed. And if you're unprogrammed, you, I think we're born to follow our hearts and then we're deprogrammed or uh, we're conditioned away from doing that, especially in our society, especially the way that we were raised. Oh, yeah. Yes, most definitely. I was a great follower, too. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I not anymore like, though <laughs> yeah it's true like you know i'm yeah and I, I always i wonder like what would have happened if you you know you were following your heart um i think you've told at times the story i think when you were 13 and you heard god ask if you were gay what if you were gay i think around 13 and then other prompts you know when we got married we we heard something like about that and not about being gay but about you know getting married and and I just wonder what would have happened if you would have continued on that trajectory, because once we were, you know, we were in the thick of it, trying to, you know, two broken children trying to raise and, you know, 
people, these little humans we created, that there wasn't necessarily a lot of opportunity to quote unquote, follow the heart or, um, and I wonder what would have happened. It's more speculative than anything. So, yeah. and I wonder what yeah, would have happened I, to me if I would have been more aware that my heart was a thing that you could follow or listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, well, I think it was about 11 or 12 is when I heard that next message, Lena, what if you were gay? And immediately I was like terrified. I didn't, I was praying that gay away right away (laughs) because if I would have followed that right at that time, I think I would have been in big trouble as far as with the church and even my family at the time uh, was not open to anything like that. So I, I really think that, um, I'm a, I, I'm a big, huge believer in timing and the timing of all things and um, just following that call when you need to follow it, especially the big things like that. Yeah. So how do you know then kind of leading to the second question is how do you know when it's the voice of your heart versus the voice of your head? How do you know that? Or how do you discern that? Yeah. Well, first of all, my mind doesn't feel and I'm a feeler. I feel, I feel everything. My heart, my heart feels. And the feeling of following my heart is, uh, is always a bit scary because there's always some risk involved, it seems, but it also tastes like freedom and it feels like home. And I believe it's the soul saying, well, this, this is who I am. This is who I am. And the mind my mind is usually noisy, but the heart knows and the heart doesn't overcomplicate, but it does. <laughs> it always seems to take the road less traveled and it constantly is taking me off trail, which I love, but, uh, but the heart I believe is, is seeking love and adventure and beauty and joy and fulfillment, truth, connection, authenticity. and. Um, and, and one more thing is that my heart, when, when I feel that, that pull is that it will not stop speaking. It will not stop whispering, um, and, and calling and, and the longer that I wait to answer, it, it just seems to create a lot more suffering for me. So those are, mm. I yeah. think that's, I think that's super interesting to think about the first, maybe the first discernment between the heart and the mind is what it's being, what's being sought, you know, where, you you know, the mind seeks safety, comfort, see, you know, it's the fear-based portion of our psyche, our being, the heart seeks freedom and love and um, purpose and mission and things like that. And I also think it's, you know, I've been thinking a lot about lower self and higher self, and there's a higher self mind. There's a higher self part of the mind. I think that's what consciousness is, but a lot of the mind operates at the lower self based off of comparison and consumption and scarcity. And the heart operates way more at the higher self. Um, not coincidentally, I think it's sometimes the heart and the head is the, is the, the head is the masculine, the, the heart is the feminine, not gender wise, but energetically. And the heart seems to me to be way more in touch with reality. You know, I think I'm a really smart person. I will say that, but my mind is wrong. Like probably 99% of the time about something. Um, And it's because of trauma primarily and trauma, a combination of trauma and ADHD where, you know, it seeks 
affirmation or validation. It seeks um, to know the rules or it seeks information. And my heart doesn't need any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. My heart, what my heart needs is space and spaciousness and openness. Um, And so it's the other thing I would say too, I've noticed is the the mind wants to close, close down and like cling to an idea. And I did that for years and years. I cling to the idea that the church we were in was the church and this is what I was supposed to do. My heart the whole time was like, ah, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. My, my heart was never in it. Well, that's um, why you had so many migraines too, I think. <laughs> that's what I think too. I think that you know? you're exactly right is, yeah. is that. And then, um, and, and then the heart wants to open and there's an expansiveness there. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I kind of a follow-up question to that then is, do you think that the heart, the mind can disguise itself as the heart sometimes? Do you think it can kind of, you know, the mind can be sneaky. Do you think it can <laughs> pretend to be the heart? Oh, de- definitely. Definitely. The mind, oh my gosh, it can be so loud and screechy and noisy. And, and it, I think it, really wants to derail the heart. (laughs) And I think it's terrified of the heart because the heart goes against everything the brain wants to think about. Like it's um, the brain wants logic and the heart is the heart. The heart's more magic. The heart's more um, full of wonder and curiosity. The mind does, is not a curious thing. I don't, well, maybe it is, I don't know, but um, but yes, I think it does. And I've, I've let it, I've let it rule. And when the mind rules, it is confusing. It is, it locks me down where I am almost paralyzed, where I can't do anything. I can't move. Um, so I, 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 the mind is not the enemy though. I, I just think that, um, it's good to learn how to, to work together with the mind and um, because the mind is, you know, imagines and dreams and plans. And, and um, so if you put those, if you combine them, I think that it's very powerful when you, when you can do that. Yeah. I think that touches on something too, is that the heart is insistent, but quiet mm-hmm. and the, the mind is screechy and then it's quiet for a little bit when it gets what it wants. Yeah, the you know the proverbial monkey mind, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think, think that's the first thing though that like the first thing to get into your body and to get it kind of out of your mind is to to find stillness, like mm-hmm. to be still, and that is like one of the hardest things that you can do. The mind is, um, but but the mind the mind will still, yeah, I, I, it will. Um, but you have to train it. You have to train your mind to be still. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you have to train your mind to, like you said, it's not the enemy. It's the way I like to describe it is it's a great employee, but a terrible boss. Mm -hmm. Um, and so do you think that the, um, do you think that there's a difference between the heart and the soul? (laughs) Yeah, that was a question I had for you. (laughs) So, you know, it feels like they're all sort of kind of mushed together somehow. But if I was to think about it, I wonder if the heart, the heart has the passions and the senses and the yearnings and, and to 
how we lead like a spiritual life in an earthly body is kind of like heaven on earth almost. It's, it's full of the things that it's almost like tangible almost, you know? Um, and then the soul is, I don't know. It's, it's the, the very, the, the deep well within us, the deep, it's the, it's the, the, the part of us that's going to last forever. And, um, it's, mm, yeah. yeah, I, it's, it's hard because there's like a, it's very fine, but, um, the soul is, it almost, it's like, it, it feels like it breathes life. Mm-hmm. It, it breathes that magic stardust into our heart's passions and our heart's mm-hmm. longings. I don't know. It's like, it, it, it almost takes you to another level. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think though, as I almost look at it, like a, like a type of Venn diagram with the soul is in the middle and then overlapping the, that is the body, the mind and the heart. And I think the mind can hijack the heart sometimes. Um, and it, that's where being like, um, impulsive with love, uh, you know, what in air quotes, you know, like that can be, that can be, you know, or, or, in, or, or, you know, following your passion, which I, I always say, don't follow your passion, follow your purpose. It's a little, little bit more reliable. And the way I like to think about it is, um, well, and you talk about a lot that the path to the soul is through the body. It's not necessarily through the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but if you're soul centered, your heart is then the compass. And mm-hmm. I like how you said that about this, you know, it's the magic, the soul is the energy source mm-hmm. and the heart is the compass. I think that it guides you to be useful in the world. It guides you to create in the world. And I think if we only listen to our soul, it would be pretty easy to end up in a monastery and, you know, live there for 50 years and never actually contribute much to the world because we're so zenned out, you know, that sounds that's... fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not me, but, um, so when you think about then kind of this final question and leaving plenty of spaciousness for this question, because I think it's a big one, which is, You've followed your heart, um, you know, your whole life, or you've heard the call from your heart, but in recent years, you've been able to actually go like do things, do things differently. Um, and so I'm curious about how your being, your, your, your experience as a human soul and you just your life in general, kind of the, the structural part of your life, how has that changed or been transformed by following your heart? Oh, gosh that's such a huge question. And I feel like there's so many answers, but I, from following my heart at a very young age and still, it's just, that's something I embody. I've done it my whole life. I just, I feel that it is taking, taken me to places I never, never thought I would ever be in. And, and it's, it's, um, it's directed my life in ways that Oh my gosh, it, um, it's so different than if I could have planned it, you know, plan, I hate that word plan anymore, but it, if I was, if I were to plan my life, I, it would look nothing like it is now, but I do feel free. I, I feel free. I feel like me. Um, I, if something doesn't feel right, I don't do it. So I, I really do try to listen to my body as much as possible. Like what, what do I feel in my body? Where do I feel it? And why, why am I feeling that? 
when do I feel it? And who, you know, what am I feeling when I'm with, with someone else? And so for me, following my heart feels like the call of Christ. You know, he would often say, come follow me. Well, what does that, what does that mean? And so I believe it's to return, at least for me to love over and over and over again, to be true to myself and to do the hard things, even if it goes against everybody else and, and everything I've been taught. And so when I started following my heart, it, it, you know, it started out with kind of smaller things like, you know, um, even just like, um, the, the need to box, you know, I kind of followed my heart there. I, I wanted to box. And when I was in boxing, that's where I found my fierceness. And when, you know, you follow your heart to do the little things like dancing, I always wanted to dance. So I joined tap dance and, and belly dance. And, you know, I, I wandered and I still wonder, wander. And, but I, I feel like if you're, if you're listening and following the call of your heart in small things, it's going to, it's going to lead you to the big calls. And those, those, those big calls, oh, those are hard to answer. Um, the big calls of, you know, following um, about the church, you know, the call is like, is this true? Is this true? The, the call, the, the feeling in my heart of, um, you know, friendships or relationships and, and it, the call of my purpose and the call to listen to my sexuality, which you know, oh gosh. Um, so, and, you know, I've just had this, this major call now to, to move from Austin to Portland. And, you know, when God says go for me, I just go, I have to, I have to go. And sometimes the timing feels so off. (laughs) Sometimes it feels so off, but you know, my body stops hurting when I feel, when I, when I go, when I, when I follow that, follow Mm -hmm. my heart. Um, it's it. Yeah. I, <laughs> that that's a long explanation. And I, I feel like I can't even yeah quite get it out. Like I want to, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think, I think a couple of things about this too, about following your heart. There's two thoughts that come up. One is um, you, it will change your plans. Mm. Um, the mind will construct plans. I think about you, you were, you were here, you were doing house sittings and you were maybe going to get an apartment and you were building your business as a, as a, a massage, mobile massage therapist, working at a clinic. And then you had this call to go. And, you know, I so admire, and it's so brave to be like, okay, you know, and you do it. it it's yeah. very um, disciple-like of you to do that, to leave your proverbial nets by the shore and go follow. Um I think the other thing that I would say here too is following your heart requires some level of not losing perspective or authority over your choices. Um, It's really hard to follow your heart if you've given your choice all to something else Um, and, or you've made a series of decisions that restrict your ability to choose. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's come out of you know, the, you know, we empty nesters and then the end of the, you know, marriage part of our relationship is it has like created spaciousness for you to, you know, you didn't have any ties other than familial ties and friendships in Austin to be able to say yes, even though it was painful in the sense of, you know, following, following your heart, because that's always the case. Um, 
I look, I think of for myself in answering this question, um, you know, I think of a trajectory that was started with following my heart to move to Austin, following my heart to tell you to find yourself, tell, following my heart when you found out you were gay um, or, or ex- accepted that you were gay, that to go like you were free to, to go do what that, what, what that meant to see what that was for you. And, um, and then, you know, painfully, I followed my heart when I said I didn't want to do this anymore, you know, um, and it was, you know, we were in Portland awaiting the birth of Fiverr, and I had to tell you that I couldn't do it anymore. And mm-hmm. it was so painful and such a change of plans. But it's interesting, you talk about doing small things lead to big things. Those all seem like smaller things compared to that big thing of saying, my heart says I can't do this anymore. But the universe, God, source always responds to that because what was it? Two days later, we, we get the text from the landlord saying that they were selling the house. Mm-hmm. And I think the other time that my life has changed and falling apart, and it's one of the, you know, I, I've had the privilege, a huge privilege of having two love stories. You know, our relationship was a, is, wasn't as a love story. And then I met Virginia and our partnership is a love story for sure. And I've just followed my heart in that. And it's my mind is like, what the fuck are you doing? This isn't the plan. You know, you weren't, this, this isn't, and, and it doesn't know what to do with love. It doesn't know what to do with consciousness. And what I've learned too, in, in this idea of how it transforms your life is uh, following your heart is about giving up control. And what I've always done as a trauma time, kind of a trauma management thing is I've tr- basically controlled people. I controlled for years. I controlled how you saw me. I was terrified you'd see who I really was and leave. Um, I controlled, I tried to control circumstances, environments. And when you follow your heart, you can't do that. There is no control. It's, it's maybe navigate the boat, but you don't control the flow. You don't control the river. Um, and it seems like there's always something you have to let go of too. When you follow your heart, yes. we're not meant to cling. We're not meant to cling um, to anything. And so the, 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 the call of the heart is you just jump in the river and you let it take you. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah. uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that when you think about having your life transformed too, I think it takes a while for your, 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 especially your quadrant two, your emotional thinking brain, which is where fear and trauma is trauma responses are stored. It takes a while for it to catch up. I think that's where I was, was like, holy shit, my life is different now than it was two years ago, even. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the transformative moment of being heart-led was when I held Fiverr for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like I was like, okay, I'm about to turn 50. It's weird to be a grandfather. And then I held him and I was reborn. And I went from like the first 50 years to the next 50 years. And then there was this shedding of old roles um, I remember the, some of the first times that we all hung out as a blended family and with, um, you know, I think it was for Christmas and Virginia pointed out about that. I still have this sort of patriarch group, patriarchal kind of role in the family. She goes, you don't need to do that anymore. You don't have mm-hmm. to be the patriarchal role. You just, you're, you're just you. Mm-hmm. And that was a releasing, a letting go of something that was like, I am being like my grandfather and that I'm keeping the family, you know, functioning and stuff. And it's like, that's not my role. My role is to love people, to love you and the boys and Sarah and Madison and Fiverr and Virginia and Andre and 
you know, ever, you know, Leah, all the people that make up our family. And, um, you and can't I can't have too much love ever. Right. I mean, right. it's, uh, yeah, you, you just can't. And honestly, that was one of the big reasons I felt like I'd lost my joy. Like, you know, I always get two messages. Usually it's always, always be true to yourself, no matter what, always. And then, and then follow, like, do what you love, do what you love. And, and so there was a part of me in Austin that I think I just, I got everything I needed out of Austin. And I, I learned, uh, really learned who I was there. I, um, but then there's some part of me that, that deep part of me that still felt like there was something more and, and, and Fiverr is a big part of me moving to Portland to, I, he brings me joy. And, um, but I also know that even when I took those steps of, of the move of really for the first time in, in my life of following the call for me, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't following you. I wasn't following you to Idaho or to Austin. I I'm following me <laughs> um, yeah. and my own, my own yearnings. And yeah. um, so I think my version of that too is, you know, I, I have most of my anxiety is relationship based, you know, um, which is common when you have a, you know, severe mother wound in particular. Um, and I think, you know, listening to my heart in my partnership with Virginia was the first time I ever tried to be in relationship with someone not to try to feel safe or try to be seen as a certain thing or try to be a hero or try to be a, and my mind had all of these old systems that I had to dismantle. It was, it was very painful in a lot of ways to do that. Um, and I think that, you know, when you think about, we don't know what tomorrow brings, we don't know. And, you know, we think about what um, happened with um, Madison's mom and dad and sister, you know, who were killed mm. a month ago now, I think a month ago yeah. coming up and killed in a plane crash and how horrifically and massively that everyone's life has changed about that. And, mm. and I came out of that similar with this feeling of, I like the two things that you said about, you know, when you, when you hear your heart, for me, it's to be joyful um, and uh, to be, to do joyful things. And you talked about Fiverr brings joy to you. Um, and I've had to, in order to be heart centric, you have to retrain your brain to not process joy as some sort of threat because it's a big emotion. And for me, my mind processes all big emotions as danger. Um, and I'm happier, I'm happier, I'm lighter. I'm like literally lighter. I think I've lost like 40 pounds. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it all comes from, you know, for me, really organizing my life around my heart. And it was, it was three things that came out of this dark night of the soul that I've written and talked about extensively that in October um, of 2020 and ran through early December was live a true story. You know, don't mix truth and deceit in your story. Um, uh, have a pure heart and um, live joyfully. And I, you know, I fail at all three of those things, but I keep coming back to them again and again. And I think that's the thing about the heart as a compass too. Is mm -hmm. You will always get an opportunity with the heart to reorient on the map. Mm -hmm. It always brings you back to the true, true North. It always returns you to the original seat of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure we'll do this again because this is a fascinating topic and there's other things we can talk about. We can talk about, um, you know, all kinds of stuff in our story. Um, but I'm really, really grateful for you being on and sharing all that you shared. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I always, I always love talking to you. I always love our conversations, no matter if they're being recorded or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the first one that we've recorded, I think. (laughs) And how many times has it taken us? (laughs) A lot. You you said, you you said before, it's like, well, yeah, this is our, this is our friendship, you know, full of technical difficulties. Uh, But here we are. So, yes. All right. All right.